Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we are here with episode number 16 of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. We're calling this one, We Flunked Out of Electoral College. Which, unless you... I can't imagine a human being not being aware of this election anywhere in the world, let alone in America. That's right. So that happened, and it's been everywhere. Um, When we're recording this is uh, Saturday. This morning is when they announced the president-elect to be Joe Biden. Woohoo! So uh, from Tuesday until now, Saturday, uh, we haven't exactly known. It's been election week. It's been in a whole week, and it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs. Yeah. And all sorts of feelings mm-hmm. and fears and anxieties and yes, poor coping mechanisms. <laughs> I have felt feelings. That's something yeah. I can say with this election. It I think a lot feeling. of people have felt feelings yeah. this week. So that's where we're at right now in time. That being said, we can look at some of the data. We have some of the returns. We know enough about the election to make some uh, assessments of what happened. Some judgments. Mm -hmm. And Uh I don't think I'm the lone Democrat or lefty out there feeling uh, disappointed or like this. Even though happy that Biden has the nomination. Like it did not go well. Yeah. The election as a whole. It was not a big blue wave. No, and that's what everyone wanted. That definitely didn't happen. Right. And some some other things that are not so good happened. There were pros, though. There were pros and cons. And I think we should discuss a couple of those just real quick. One of the the pros, uh, weed, uh, marijuana. Uh, drugs in general did really, really well. They won in all the places they were up. So go drugs. 2020, the year of drugs. Yeah, you're going to need them this year. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, that's a that's a plus. That was good. And, you know, Biden getting the actual nomination, that's good. Uh, But th- th- let's say uh, Lindsey Graham just to stomped Jamie Harrison in he South did. Carolina. He did. Um, It was bad. So Graham won by over 10%. In the wow. polls. Wow. Now, he was, the 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 polls had him at like a dead heat, or had that race at almost a dead heat, like tighter than dick skin, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was not. It was a, it was an absolute stomping. And Jamie Harrison raised $57 million. I was going to say, that's too bad because. For that race. That campaign, mm-hmm. there was a lot of money in, in it. Yeah. Think about all the ads that we saw yeah. and listened to, and they were everywhere. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't fill me with hope. Maybe, maybe it might <laughs> at least not for else. South Carolina, no. Yeah, so that might be a con from this election, I think. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any pros or cons? Uh, the biggest con right now is in a wheelchair, and his name is Madison Cawthorn. Yeah, Madison Cawthorn won. So uh, Colonel Mo Davis was his opponent. He lost. He did. Retired Colonel. Um, he was the Democrat. Madison Cawthorn, if you don't know, is a gigantic douchebag who has like a popped collar. He's a Trump guy. He's mm-hmm. 25 years old and he's going to be the youngest member of the House since the 1800s. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. The, the child has no experience whatsoever. Yeah. Literally his only job before this was Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and um, suing his friend and mm-hmm. um, a construction company to get a few million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of the worst. And he tweeted something about, like, go cry, liberal. Yeah, on the night that he won, he takes to Twitter and says, go cry, lib. Yeah. Like, okay, great. This shows the um, emotional 
and yeah. intelligence and yeah. maturity of the person who's now going to represent me. Another con that I could think of being that I live in the state of North Carolina is they haven't even counted or reported North Carolina votes yet, but the election's already called. Yeah, that's a little bit um, disappointing. Yeah. As someone in North Carolina, your vote never even really got a chance to get yeah, counted. Yeah. How am I supposed to feel mm-hmm. if I took the time to vote mm-hmm. and I I voted absentee? But yeah. I delivered my ballot in person mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure if the postal service was going <laughs> to mess it up. So I'm like, so basically that whole transaction and yeah. ordeal really didn't matter, at least in the presidential election. Right. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, North Carolinians can rest assured that their votes for other things counted. But uh, for president, it's kind of hard to say that it counted because... Because it's been called and yeah. our state still hasn't actually put the tallies yeah. out, you know. And that is because of a thing called the Electoral College. Indeed. And uh, that's kind of what this episode is going to be about. It is. Um, We do kind of want to say a couple of things, more things about this election before we get into the specifics of the Electoral College. One of those things is that the polls were way off. It was ridiculous. They were way off. And it's funny because they were off in 2016, too. They were worse this time. Yeah. Which is hard to believe. And I have some numbers. They called Florida. I got this info, by the way, from a website called 538 that does sort of a blend of all the polls and gives the averages. They were calling Florida from anywhere from a plus three to plus five percent for Biden. And uh, the result was Trump by three percent. So that's... Uh, <laughs> that's a huge difference when you think about going from a negative to a positive. Yes, right. That's six to ten percent off. That's way off. That's, yes. Florida was way off. Um, they called Georgia dead even to somewhere all the way up to plus six for Biden. Okay. Which is crazy. And the result is dead even. They're doing a recount. Yeah, they've actually, they just ordered a recount for the state. So that one wasn't too bad, although some polls had it way too high for Biden. Mm -hmm. This one is the bad one, I think. They called Ohio by Biden for, by plus four, anywhere to Trump by one. So Trump by one to Biden by four. The result was Trump by over eight. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, that's gigantic. They really botched Ohio. Whoopsies. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, they called Biden by two to Biden by 17 was the highest I saw, which is insane. That's ridiculous. The result is less than 1% for Biden. Wow. It was actually 48.9% to 49.6%. Wow. As of the time we're recording this, this was this morning. And they called Michigan for Biden by plus two to all the way to plus 12 for Biden. Like I said, some of these polls got crazy. Um, And the result was uh, about plus three for Biden. So there was a lot more hope in Wisconsin. And then the big one that you're probably going to hear about if you haven't already is Miami-Dade County in Florida. Um, in 2016, the result was Hillary Clinton 65, Trump 35. So it was a absolute stomping. And then uh, 2020, the result was Biden 54, Trump 46. So a lot closer. So he picked up 11% yeah. in that county. That is in a humongous county. That is a giant bump. And they didn't predict that at all the polls had biden significantly handling by up to 20 and 30 percent so what the hell happened there well the whole thing i mean from state to state is disappointing to some degree yeah back to that wishing for a big blue wave Mm -hmm. that didn't happen this didn't happen at all and it was really just down to the hair i mean yeah a lot of nail biting, a lot of, you know, comfort eating and <laughs> trying to get through it because it just, it, at no point did it 
seem clear that either mm-hmm. one was going to be the winner. Yeah, it was stressful and crazy. Yeah. And the polls were way off, even worse than they were before, which is kind of concerning. Did the polls mean anything? Yeah, it's kind of the point now. Like, do do they matter? Should yeah. We, do, we, do we need to put stock and or faith or hope in polls anymore? I... I... It certainly seems like they're they're only indicators. <laughs> they're not they're not actually all that dependable, but they give you an idea at least. They do. I think I think what has happened with the 24-hour news cycle is we've just gotten a little mm-hmm. too dependent yeah. on polls as opposed to them just being presented during a nightly news segment as a possibility. They're now being presented 24/7 yeah. and being used more as like, see, this is what America wants. Yeah. As a more grounded and affirmative I know. stance. It's kind of interesting because it makes me wonder if if we had less coverage of the polls and more coverage of like the issues, if things would change. If if the coverage of the polls causes the problem, like if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe. So aside from the polls being massively off, <laughs> there's been a few things that I, I think a lot of liberals have been thinking about. I know I have. I've been asking myself a few questions. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, we all sort of have. I just think I articulate them really well because I'm hella smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So um, the real question, did Democrats spend too much focus on Donald Trump instead of worrying about Mitch McConnell, the Senate and the House? Mm. I've been asking myself that question. I don't. It's hard to say because you have to get rid of Trump. He's the big evil orange yeah. demon man. Yeah, he's the tangerine tyrant. Mm-hmm. On one hand, but on the other hand, you have the evil turtle man packing the courts and doing <laughs> all kinds of Republican crazy stuff behind <laughs> closed doors. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah, and the the Democrats did have a legit chance at taking the Senate this time, but it did not happen. Didn't pan out, no. I mean, it's closer now. It but- is closer, but no. And the question I think we're all asking ourselves is, was that because we focused so hard on Donald Trump? It's a legit question. It's a valid one. That leads me to the next question I've been asking myself, which is, would more focus on the Senate and the House had made it so that when Joe Biden theoretically does take office, he would have had a mandate to govern as opposed to an obstructionist Congress, which is what he's going to have. I mean, arguably, yeah. Yeah. So like the benefit maybe could have been... Maybe we should have focused more on the House. But then again, if that happened when we didn't beat Donald Trump, it would have been pointless. Yeah, it would have been moot. It's like some weird catch-22. And I imagine they were all thinking about this before. I'm sure. I mean, they pay people a lot of money mm-hmm. to strategize and mm-hmm. come up with plans on a, of attack. Yeah, so in some ways, these things I'm thinking about are just like, obviously, 2020 after the fact. Right. Hindsight vision. Hindsight, but I feel yeah. it's legitimate questions that we're all sort of mulling yeah. over. In yeah, because, we'll, well, I think it's, it stems probably from the fact that it wasn't a big blue wave. Right. Which you know, what we did all we, what did, did we do wrong or not wrong, but mm-hmm. what could we have done better? Yeah. Theoretically, the Democrats shouldn't have had to spend any money against Donald Trump. They should have just been able to be like, look at this guy. Yeah, just look at him. Read his Twitter feed. Yeah. Instead, we're going to spend all our time talking about the evil stuff that you don't see on Twitter every day, like, Mah, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, in his deep, dark cave, yeah. passing legislature and right. shoveling Republican judges right. through the system. And then I've been asking myself if if we're pushing, if Republicans are getting pushed into a position where they have to rig the rules in order to have like sort of a minority rule. But haven't they always rigged the rules if we're being yeah, kind of, but honest? 
Kind of, but they used to be Democrats the, when they originally did that. Well, you're going way back. I'm yeah. talking more like within the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. And I think it's because I think it's because the the electorate's changing and we're getting a younger, more browner, less white voters, and which means the Republican Party's forced into being, you know, anti small D democratic and trying to steal the elections instead of win them. Right. Cause they're like, well, I don't think we're gonna appeal to these folks. Mm-hmm. Although to your point earlier, they did to a degree because in Miami-Dade right. County, they got a lot of the Cuban vote. Mm-hmm. And that's been making me think about this weird split in the Republican Party where I think you have half of them that are trying to say, we need to expand who we appeal to. And then you have the Trump part of them that are like, no, 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 we need to just rig the system so that we always win by pointing judges and legal things. And let's like, I prefer the first one. That's just a little bit more right. civil. I'd rather fight over a voter than uh-huh. to have you going sneakily mm-hmm. behind our backs and... Yeah. Switching up judges and yeah. just being like, nothing to see here. Exactly. Look so over there. Look over there. <laughs> I think that's part of why the party seems so disjointed right now because there's that. I don't know idealistically which side they're really falling on. I think they're whichever one works in a mo- in that moment. Yeah. It's, I, that seems to be where we're at. It's gross. And part of the reason why the system is gameable, why they can even game the system is because we use a system called the Electoral College. We do. It's a complicated, ridiculous system that enables them to be able to game it. It's the most convoluted system of voting that there is. Mm-hmm. And because of that, a minority party can seek to win with minority votes. And that is what has happened several times and damn near happened this time. That's right. And that leads us into talking about the Electoral College. Which we flunked out of. Yes. <laughs> Well, I got a lot to say about just how fucked the Electoral College really is. Yes, I can imagine. You have some notes there. I do have some notes. <laughs> and in learning more about this thing, uh, WTF? Yeah. Question mark. All so, right, let's hear it. All right, Electoral College, y'all. So most democracies around the world <laughs> elect their national leader with a popular vote. Because, mm-hmm, you know. Because that makes sense. Yeah. Whoever gets the most votes wins. Mm-hmm. It's very straightforward and it makes sense. It's the way you vote for, say, class president. It's how we vote for just about anything. Yeah. But not here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. We... No. We use the Electoral College, mm-hmm. which is a group of delegates from each state. Right. So when America votes for a president, what they're actually voting for is who their state will elect. Mm, okay. Yeah. So you're not even really voting for president. I mean, you are, but you aren't, mm. if that makes sense, because it's not a popular vote. Right. This is why every once in a while, a candidate wins the presidency without winning mm. the, quote, the popular vote. Would you like to take a guess as to how many times that has happened? Hmm. Well, I know it's happened twice that I can remember, so I'm going to assume it happened another time after. besides that that I don't know about. So I'm going to guess three. Mm, close, but no, it actually has happened five times <laughs> that we've had a president win on the Electoral College vote Wow. Um, without winning the popular vote. Wow. The first time was back in 1824. Okay. When John Quincy Adams was elected by the House of Representatives when neither he nor his opponents were able to secure a majority of electoral votes. Oh, so it was like tied. And yeah. they called it for him. Yeah, okay. so what happens, the way the Electoral College works is if for some reason 
neither candidate actually takes the lead or reaches the 270 as it is set now. It's up to Congress to vote. Yeah, and they just decided. Yeah, and so that's mm. what happened way back then. Imagine if that would have happened this time. Holy crap. Yikes. Yikes. And in that election, it was Andrew Jackson who was Oof. running against Adams, and Jackson actually won the popular vote. Unfortunately for the Native Americans, yes. that is what happened. Then it happened again in 1876 with Rutherford B. Hayes, Hmm. who won the majority of electoral votes but lost the popular vote against his opponent, Samuel Tilden. And the outcome in this one was so contentious and disputed that a commission had to be formed and a compromise was established the following year in that Rutherford B. Hayes had to formally agree that he would not seek re-election after his (laughs) four-year term. Yep. Oh, you can be president supposing you don't. Wow. Yeah, they made him like sign a thing to promise not to run again. Yeah, so it happened. That's bizarre. Then it happened again in 1888 with Grover Cleveland. Huh. He was the incumbent. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he won the popular vote, but lost the electoral vote to Benjamin Harrison. And Cleveland would later successfully seek a second term um, four years Hmm. after, um, becoming the only president in U.S. history to serve two non-consecutive terms. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's like it's theoretically possible, but it just only yeah. happened that one time. One time. That's interesting. So that was 1888. Huh. Yeah, it's been a while. Didn't happen again Yeah. for over 100 years. Until 2000. Which takes me back to my ninth grade civics yeah. class in which we learned about the Electoral College, mm-hmm. what it serves and why it exists. And we learned, I specifically remember learning that the possibility of a candidate not winning or or winning the popular vote and not winning the electoral or vice versa just doesn't happen. Yep. They, I, they told me the same thing. They were like, it's super unlikely you'll ever see that. Yeah, they were like, because we asked, we were like, well, what happens if they don't line mm-hmm. up? Uh, and they were like, oh, Oh, don't worry about that. It just yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. As Trump would say, wrong. Wrong. In 2000, which, by the way, was the year that I turned 18 mm-hmm. and was first able to vote for the president, <laughs> it happened. I was 16. I couldn't yet vote, but man, I remember it. So George W. Bush, remember him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. W. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sort of slow cowboy. Yeah. Yes. He won the election through electoral votes, but Al Gore Mm -hmm. was the popular vote winner. And what do you know? It was Florida where the polls were all off. Exactly. Results hinged on voting in Florida. What do you know? Everything was screwy. Still is, kind of. Mm -hmm. And the counts were so close that a recount was ordered amongst an entire sea of litigation happening in counties all across Florida. And these lawsuits made their way to the Florida Supreme Court, who then bumped them up to the federal Supreme Court of the United States, who then had to make the decision of where these Florida electoral votes were going to go. I think it might be part of the reason people around our age are so disillusioned by the election in general is because that was my first real exposure to voting was that whole disaster. And they decided uh, those are going to go to Bush. Yeah, they did do that. To be noted, Bush's brother, Jeb, was the governor, happened to be governor at the time. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, coincidence? Wonder if that mattered. Yeah, did that matter? And also, that was the year of the hanging Chad. Mm -hmm. Because in 
Florida, at that point, they were voting on punch cards that they ran through a little machine. And some of the holes being punched apparently didn't go all the way through, leading to confusion over who was voting (laughs) for who. And those little hangy tabs were called hanging chads. And that's all they talked about on the news every day was hanging chads. I remember. So that happened. Yeah. And then, of course, more recently in 2016, Mm. it happened with all (sighs) Hillary and Donald J. Trump. That one was so sad. Hillary won the popular vote, but lost the election to Trump, who won the electoral vote. Luckily, Biden won the popular vote harder than she did. He did. We had a far greater turnout. Yeah, so that's good news. In total than in 2016. Mm -hmm. I think people felt motivated. I think some people who didn't vote in 2016 were like, oh, shit. Like, uh uh-oh, I can't, I gotta do that. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta do that next Uh time. So the majority of Americans actually don't like our voting system. No shit. And they haven't for a really long time. (laughs) So then that begs the question of, like, why then do Mm. we do it this way? I know a little about that. Well, ultimately, it boils down to it's because it benefits some more so than others. And those, some tend to be the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that it's set up the way that it is. For sure there is. So a little bit of what is the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. It's based on congressional representation, where each state has a set number of representatives based on the population size of that state. States with higher populations have a greater number of congressional representatives and thus a greater number of electoral college votes. Each state also has two senators, Mm -hmm. so each state gets one electoral college vote for each congressional representative and one for each senator. Right. And what happens is that due to this arrangement, the weight and importance of a person's vote becomes greater in smaller, less populated states. Right. So, for example, Texas, one electoral college member in Texas represents 664,000 voters. Right. By comparison, Vermont, a much smaller state, smaller population, one electoral college member represents only 210,000 people voting. Correct. And you have the same problem with just the Senate in general, since every state gets two. Yeah. Everything's a little wonky. Uh Uh-huh. So this makes each individual person's vote in Vermont way more influential than a person's vote in Texas. It carries more weight. And the Electoral College creates discrepancies like these all across the United States. Another example, an individual vote in Wyoming is three and a half times more influential than a vote in California. Yeah, and if you start to think about who lives in those places, you start to get a uh, sort of an indication as to why that this might be that way. Exactly. And so the winner of the presidency is whichever candidate gets 270 or more of these electoral college votes. And almost all states follow the same rules when deciding electoral votes. Whichever candidate wins the popular vote in the state gets all of the state's electoral votes. Some states are so predictable that we already know the outcome. So this is where I would like to point out that the the idea that the states decide how they want to do their electors means if you really nitpick at the law it means that you never have voted for president and you don't actually have the right to vote for president the state has a right to determine 
how it sends electors however it wants. It, they're nice enough to let us vote and go yeah, by I our vote. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that, mm-hmm. that we actually don't have the right to vote. No, not um, for president. It actually falls under the legislature of the state to vote. Correct. The, your rights that you're guaranteed to vote do guarantee you the right to vote for House, and they do guarantee you the right to vote in local elections. And I think that's where this kind of falls in. Right. So back to electoral college mm-hmm. and predictable states. Right. These are the trends that basically shape where candidates campaign during the election (laughs) year. In 2016, Hillary won the popular vote and thus all electoral votes in California. Right. She knew she had California in the bag, so she never even campaigned there. Yeah, why bother? She never even stopped by to wave and say hello. Mm -hmm. And likewise, Trump knew that he was going to win Texas. And so he only held one rally in texas during the time that he was campaigning right it was and just this, uh, he did that just to feel better though i don't even think that was for the election yeah he it was just, just something to do that. yeah he was he just, like in the neighborhood or he something just likes doing that shit <laughs> but this sends the message to american voters that if you live in a swing state that you're more important oh yeah than someone you yeah you're more important you're more special than someone living in a quote predictable state that's fun yeah Thanks. That does a lot of good for the American psyche. And swing states in general have more influence on election outcomes, thus votes matter more there. And they also benefit from a greater volume of campaign spending. Right. Oh, yeah. So all those advertising dollars going to local outlets, the funds going to event complexes, and then the community benefiting from the influx of people attending these rallies and events that are being hosted by the committees. I mean, when you're in a swing state, you're just kind of winning all around. You're getting the attention and you're getting the money. Sorry, Alaska. No one's coming to to campaign there, dog. But the Electoral College has always been about shifting power away from some to give to others. Mm -hmm. It's in the actual design. Yeah of the process. So if we take a trip back in time and we go back to 1787 and 1788, when there were just a handful of states, our country's founders needed everyone to get on board with the Constitution. They were like, we've written this thing. We want all of you guys to sign it, please. There's a great quote from George Washington where he's basically saying, what we're doing is making a piece of paper that we're then going to get everyone to agree on that's a crazy idea i don't think that's gonna work well i mean they were they were not all that optimistic if you read what they had to say about it right and i don't really blame them i don't either it's a crazy idea well it didn't go over great yeah there was some resistance right um specifically with southern states and slavery so basically the northern states wanted only quote free people free people to count towards the population when determining how many uh, electoral representatives that the state would get. And if they had it that way, then the North would never lose an election. Right. Mm -hmm. So the South, which was pro-slavery... Wasn't cool with that. Didn't like this suggested (laughs) arrangement since they didn't want those damn Yankees... Having all, yeah, having all the power. So they wanted their slaves to count towards the population, even though slaves themselves couldn't vote. And so the South said, we ain't signing a damn thing <laughs> until our demands are met. And thus was born the three-fifths compromise. An enslaved person would count as three-fifths of a person 
and that total number would count towards the total population. Yeah, and I believe they picked that number because that was just about the amount they needed to have a chance to win elections. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Convenient. It's pretty gross. It's horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever heard, but it's in the Constitution, so... And even after slavery was abolished and voting rights were given to black people, Southern leaders still found ways to simultaneously keep black people around, yet restrict their freedom to vote, such as poll taxes, literacy tests, um, or even just violence. We're still doing it. I'd argue that by making people wait eight hours in line without having a federal holiday, that is the equivalent of a poll tax. Absolutely. It's still happening. So basically, the southern states wanted the population size afforded to them by black people but didn't want black people to actually have a say in elections. Right. And I think they probably still feel that way today. I think a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Congress has attempted several times to actually get rid of the Electoral College. Yeah, they have. The first being back in 1816 when the proposal was blocked by southern states. What do you know? Yeah, what do you know? And they got super close to almost getting rid of it in 1969 when they actually the House passed a bill, so it had support from both sides, but yet again made it to the Senate, and the Senate, the Southern Senate, said, mm-mm. And when we say they said, mm-mm, what happened was what's called a filibuster. Right. Um, that's a whole other can of worms, but the filibuster <laughs> yeah. is something that caused them to be able to do all of this. Yeah, so the Southern states, the Southern senators blocked that bill in 1969, saying, it, saying that the Electoral College is one of the few safeguards left to protect Southern representation. Right, and we're basically going to read out of the phone book until you guys stop trying this. Yeah, so just give it up. That's what happened. Yes. It's gross. When you look at the states that benefit the most from the Electoral College, meaning they have a lower population size relative to the number of electors representing them. Right. They tend to be predominantly white. So think of like Wyoming, Montana, Rhode Island, and the Dakotas, for example. That's not the racial makeup of the rest of the country. It's not even close. However, like not at all. Yeah. And these states also tend to be, though not always, they do tend to be Republican-leaning and often are considered Republican strongholds, whereas states with larger population and thus greater diversity are typically Democrat states. And this is why both George W. Bush and Donald Trump won the Electoral College despite not winning the popular vote. That's correct. I do want to make a note here. Although it's generally assumed that electors will side with the popular vote um, winner in their state. To. There's no reason they have to. And the majority do. Yeah. They actually promise to. It's part of like... Yeah, they like a scout, some scouts on Yeah, they hold up their hand like, <laughs> I do promise to, yeah. to vote for whoever wins the popular mm -hmm. vote. Um, however, they sometimes don't. Yeah, there's a name for it. And those are called the faithless electors. Faithless. I love that name. It's like, we don't have any faith we in you. We have no you. faith a faithless in you. Faithless elector you. Shame, shame. shame. It, 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 it sounds bad, doesn't it? It does. There were 10 faithless electors in the 2016 election mm. between Hillary and Trump. Mm. Um, interestingly, though, the majority of the faithless electors don't necessarily flip and vote for the other candidate um, between the two. They usually go and vote for a third party or they refuse to vote at all. That's a thing they can do. Now, third 
33 states do have laws against faithless electors with penalties such as fines or voiding the person's vote altogether, plus a lot of public shaming. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a horrible, you're a faithless elector. It's like, it's like calling you a apostate. To be chosen to be an elector in the electoral college is a very esteemed thing to have. Um, so a lot of times the people who are chosen are very active and engaged members of their political party. They're the people that always go to the rallies and the conventions. They volunteer. So it's it. there's a lot of esteem in it. You're supposed to, though, you're supposed to go with the popular vote. And if you don't, there's going to be some repercussions. You're going to also probably be shunned quite a bit. Yeah, I would shun you. Shane. But where it gets a little weird is <laughs> As in... If it wasn't weird enough. Right, right. No, it gets weirder, y'all. It gets weirder, y'all. As if things weren't convoluted and weird enough as is, how the members of the electoral college are chosen varies state by state yeah. like there's no two states that are exactly the same no, really. why would why would that be? why would we <laughs> so some states choose their electors during primary voting yeah you go during the primaries to pick your candidate and you also pick your elector other states like north carolina which i'm much more familiar with choose their electors during their state's party conventions like that's part of the deal yeah that's why our conventions are so important. So like if they here. have a, the DNC or the RNC you're talking about, like the big conventions. Um, not the national. It's oh, the state the convention. State conventions. Yeah. Okay. So like the, for example, the North Carolina Democrat right, convention. Right. Interesting. That's where they would choose okay. the delegates to be in the electoral. I college. didn't actually know that's how we did it here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Or you have states like Pennsylvania where the electors are chosen by the campaign committee of each candidate running. (laughs) Sure. Okay. And in other states, the electors are not just regular citizens at all. They're high-ranking and or well-known state officials up to and including governors. Sure. So there's not a lot of consistency across the country when it comes to who's chosen for the position Mm -hmm. and what qualifies them and how they get there. When they were doing the uh, Constitution and the Constitutional or whatever, Constitutional Congress, and they were Mm -hmm. meeting and they were having their meetings, um, they took a week's vacation when they were doing the Electoral College section because they weren't exactly sure how it was going to go. So it got left to like an even smaller group of people than the Continental Congress. It was like like the skeleton It was like four guys who were working night Uh shift. And they came back from (laughs) vacation and were like, this is what you guys got. And they were like, man, it's the best we got this is it yeah it's either this, this or is it. i don't know the pressure to get the document signed is why it exists yeah they, they didn't have another option right they had to come up with something mm-hmm. that would somehow work i'm using air quotes yeah work mm-hmm. and at the same time appease all the demands being made coming at them and it's interesting there has been one legal change to the electoral college in the history in the history of the Electoral College. There's only been one time they've changed it. Um, And that was because originally the electors would vote and there was only one set of votes. They would vote once and the person who got the most votes would become president. The person who got the second most votes would become vice president. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take but three or four elections before that idea right. seemed Because you're going to end up with one party mm-hmm. as the president and another party as the vice president. And that's what happened. And they were fighting over who Yeah, they're like charge. knocking each other out. Right. Wrestling in the Oval Office. Like, so that's not going to work. Within a couple of elections, and I 
don't have the data for sure on me, but it was at the very beginning. They they switched the Electoral College to make it so that they have two separate votes. They actually vote for president and vote for vice president separately, yeah. which is a good thing Yeah, <laughs> because that didn't work. No, and um, I don't think that it w- that's a terrible idea. And you did mention the, the attempted changes that got shot down. There was another one. Eisenhower uh, tried to... Uh, change the electoral college it, it he threatened it a lot and he used that to push other legislation through uh-huh. and so there is a history of sort of using the electoral college as like a cudgel to get other to beat other things through yeah, like as, if you don't leverage yeah. yeah if you don't do this we're gonna do this so right. it's it's been a political pawn ever since the beginning and i think it still is and at this point in time with the the size of, that our country is i feel like do we really need to still have this thing around I don't think so. I don't either. Let's just get rid of it and go to popular vote. And I feel like it's right next to the filibuster, which we also need to get rid of. Agreed. I think we're going to do at some point an episode on that because the filibuster is a whole can Maybe we'll just have a filibuster. Yeah, maybe we'll just read We'll the let our book. listeners experience it for themselves. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> They'll never listen again. Yeah, no, they won't. <laughs> It's the reason no one watches C-SPAN. Yeah. Um, This has begged another couple questions of me, just like with the Electoral College. So if it's population that translates to electors, and that's where the problem is, right? The the problem is that there, there are some states that are guaranteed the plus two from the Senate. Yes. That that with such small populations that that gives them massively yeah, bigger Yeah, back to my, my example with Vermont, their population size dictates they actually only have one representative. Exactly. But then they have two senators, which gives them three exactly. electoral votes. And if that, I was thinking about this, if that's the problem, then that means that the Senate is just an inherent problem as well. I would agree. And I want to say, I think a lot of the founders of the Constitution would have also agreed. Originally, they didn't want people voting for president or for Senate. Right. Originally, and this was when only it was white slave-holding men that could vote. And even then, they were skeptical of letting people decide the Senate or the president. They were like, yeah. Yeah. It, humans, though. Yeah. Am I right? Um, <laughs> And that was how it was originally. They did change it. Um, So, you know, they went on vacation and got changed is basically what yeah, happened. Yeah, it was the night. Crew. Mm-hmm. And there were questions at the beginning of this whole thing about mob rule, right? Like, if we let people vote, that's the same as mob rule. That's chaos. That's just letting the mob decide. And mob, mm-hmm. what do mobs know? They don't know anything. When you get a group of people thinking something, they can be crazy. Well, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> there was there was this like overtones of mob rule and chaos and a fear of that in the early yeah. framing of the Constitution. And it's part of the reason we ended up with the Electoral College. I would argue that it's probably connected to some guilty consciences as well. Right. And so it makes me ask if they're worried about mob rule. Exactly. It's projection right like Mm -hmm. they're worried about mob rule and chaos is that sort of coming back with with this whole donald trump trying to stop counting votes it seems to be a similar train of thought this idea that letting people in charge is is chaos letting people have a a vote Mm -hmm. is inherently a tyranny they call it the tyranny of the majority and that is a place where part of the republican party is right now and it's terrifying yeah that's a little concerning that's a scary place that we're at isn't it yeah where they say like yeah you're a person and you have freedom but we just don't really trust you to mm-hmm. make decisions so we're going to do that for you exactly and it really lines up with the way they were thinking about it at the beginning except they were way more explicit and said only white slave owning men right but it's the same logic yeah is my point like 
It's slipping into today and you can see it. And I find that really scary, fascinating, interesting, whatever you want to call it. Right. Another thing it makes me think is that, so when during the three-fifths compromise, the, the, the Electoral College was doing some really heavy lifting. I mean, it was basically guaranteeing the South winning everything. Yeah. And now we're at a place where we're kind of in dead, dead heats. So it has the Electoral College lost some of its ability to control things over time? I think it kind of has because freeing of slaves and granting, giving the vote to women and black people has somewhat lessened the control that the Electoral College has, but it's still pretty bad. The Electoral College still does have greater positive effects on the Republican Party Mm -hmm. and greater negative effects on the Democrat Party. It's math. Yeah, and it used to be the opposite when the parties were different, and that's a part of confusing thing too. Mm -hmm. So when all the racists were Democrats instead of Republicans. Right. We had to, yeah, that's another part of American history. Yeah. um, We switched. But it's been doing the same thing and that's giving the smaller, more rural, more likely to be racist places more power. My problem when I think about it is like less so about that side of things and just thinking about the campaigning. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have states that never once right. even are visited mm-hmm. by the candidates is so gross to mm-hmm. me. If it was a popular vote, then it would be up to that candidate to get their rear end on a bus and a plane and visit every single state and let every person there know that their vote matters. I, I agree 100%. I think most of America wants it to be that way. And the reason that it's not is because it would take a two-thirds vote in the House and a two-thirds vote in the Senate to change the Constitution to enable that. And that ain't happening. At least not anytime soon. No. no. Uh, there's no freaking way. And that's what's so gross. And part of the reason for that is the filibuster, which ties into this whole thing. And it's a disaster as well. Correct. Um, it's, it's like they're two, it's like they're two twins of destruction that have just been wreaking havoc on our, on our government system for a long time. And you would have to have both parties basically agreeing that no one is benefiting mm-hmm. from the electoral college or not feeling like they are benefiting. Mm-hmm. And that's just not where we are currently. Yeah. It's interesting because of our, our donation laws. We're now in a place where you can't, like, if I wanted to donate, say to the most like, like the most important race for my money to go to. As a liberal, there's really not a, a way for me to do that. I can pick a candidate and I can pick the candidate who's running against somebody I don't like the most, a la Jamie Harrison mm-hmm. and Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. But mm-hmm. that doesn't really help the liberal party because he never really had a chance at winning that. Right. And I think the parties used to be a lot different. And that was actually how it worked. You just gave money to the party and they doled it out to the most important spaces. But we've changed all the laws and the rules are different now. And that's not how it works. And I think... That's another kink or another monkey wrench that's gotten thrown into this whole can of worms and make things confusing because there's now giant amounts of money going to the wrong places because it's individuals who are deciding instead of parties. Right. And uh, I don't know how good or bad that is, but it's certainly confusing and seems to provide a lot of waste. For sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how to fix it, but I do know popular vote would be nice. Yeah. Just make it simple and straightforward. So Joe Biden, if you're listening to this, get rid of the filibuster. Give us a popular vote. That would be pretty dope. And try not to sniff anyone. And try not to sniff any little kids. We know you're gonna, though. Yeah, I know you can't help yourself. And he's gonna stutter while he does it. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good dude, but... Yeah. Yeah. And that does it for the Electoral College section, but now we have a bit we call the Mic Check Minute. Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners do checks on the microphones. Check, check. So this guy calls you out of nowhere and he's like, I was camping in the goddamn woods in 
fucking North Carolina, uh-huh. and I was doing mind my own business at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this motherfucking park ranger comes out of nowhere, pepper sprays the dog. <laughs> he said, "Did he sound like?" Yeah. I, I made him sound like Jeff Foxworthy. You there. made him sound. He didn't really sound like that. <laughs> pepper I mean, sprayed the dog. They were from Mississippi, I think. So yeah. it was still southern. But yeah, uh-huh. he was like he was like, My family and I were in the woods at the parkway trying to enjoy a beautiful weekend camping and this park ranger came out in the middle of the night and sprayed my dog in the face with pepper spray. <laughs> and of course, then I get it in my face because naturally dog's gonna get it on you and then it gets in my wife's lungs and I'm gonna sue the park service and the federal government for ruining my vacation. <laughs> awesome and that does it for this week's episode if you like what you heard you can find our website at carolinasnowflakes.com we also have a facebook page that's getting more and more popular by the day yeah we're getting some fans and you can find us on there at facebook.com forward slash carolinasnowflakes and if you, like us, flunked out of Electoral College and just feel like the whole thing is a disaster, you can email us and let us know about how you feel at carolinasnowflakes at gmail.com. gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>